Well, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so glad to see each one of you here. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to be starting with verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 17. We don't spend a lot of time in 1 Kings, do we? But this book is full of wild and crazy stories. If you ever want some really fun and dramatic Bible reading, First uh, and Second Kings has got you. All right, First Kings 17, starting with verse 7 and going through verse 16. Listen to God's word for us today. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first... Make me a small loaf of bread from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Friends, this is God's word for us today. God, would you be with us in the power of your Holy Spirit today? We really want to hear your voice speaking to the real place where we live. So Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once upon a time at a church meeting, a very wealthy man, a millionaire, got up and uh, gave his testimony to the rest of the people sitting there. He said, I'm a millionaire and I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. And I remember how it all started. I had just earned my first dollar and I went to a meeting at church that night and there was a missionary there who told us about his work. 
And as uh, I sat there and listened to him, I knew I only had one dollar bill and I had to either give it all to the Lord's work or give nothing. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to the Lord. And I believe God has blessed that decision and that's why I'm a rich man today. And after that, he went back down and sat in his seat and there was this sort of odd silence And in that odd silence, a little old lady sitting next to him leaned over and said in a loud whisper, I dare you to do it again. (laughs) I dare you. We're talking about fearless generosity today. Fearless generosity and about a woman who dared to give it all to God. A story that happened so long ago and... We're looking at why this story is still important and meaningful and helpful to us as we sit here in Bemis Point in 2018, a few days before Thanksgiving. Elijah, the prophet, he was God's spokesperson to the people of Israel and to the surrounding areas in that time. He had been living in hiding because the king and the queen were after him for speaking the truth. So he'd been living in hiding in this little ravine down by a stream, and God had been sending him food brought by ravens. If you ever had any complaints about your menu, think about what kind of food ravens might bring. When I was a kid, I always imagined them, you know, like picking up hot loaves of bread off someone's stove and bringing them over to um, Elijah. And after a while, it occurred to me, maybe the the ravens were bringing him like dead mice and things. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, after a while, the brook dried up because there was a huge drought in the land. And uh, so the Lord says to Elijah, You can't stay here anymore, but I've got a new place for you to go. I want you to go way up to Sidon. It was a long journey to this little town called Zarephath. And he says, don't worry, I've prepared someone, a widow there, to share some food with you. So Elijah takes this long trek. We see here in in chapter 17, uh, he said in verse 10, it says, he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, gathering sticks. The widow of Zarephath lives in this thriving trade center, but she has very little uh, money of her own. We don't even know what her name is. Her life is one of desperate poverty. She doesn't have a husband or an adult son to support her. She's just basically on the edge trying to scrape out what little living is possible and we meet her gathering sticks. Elijah calls to her and he says, would you bring me a little bit of water? We see the same kind of interaction around uh, town centers and wells all throughout scripture. A, A traveler will come and ask for water and someone will give them water. That seems to be the normal way things happen. So she's going to get him some water and he says, but also, could you bring me a piece of bread? I imagine her reaction when this traveler, this stranger comes and asks her for bread. What business has this man of God asking her for bread? She who has so little, 
What business does he have asking for bread when she only has enough to give one more meal to her and her son? There's not enough to go around. There's not even enough for her and her son. And so she tells him that. She says, as surely as the Lord lives, verse 12, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a, in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. She says, I'm gathering a few sticks to go home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. One Bible scholar points out how she uses that language of scarcity. I only have a little oil, a handful of flour, a couple of sticks. There is not enough. There just isn't. There is not enough in this woman's life to share and starvation is just a meal away. She has every reason not to share. So what does Elijah say to her? He doesn't say, oh, sorry, I'll ask someone else. Which would be the logical thing to say. But Elijah knows God's up to something here because he's been listening to God and he knows that God has already been tapping on the heart of this woman. So he says to her, don't be afraid. Now that's crazy talk, right? Don't be afraid. Really? <laughs> don't be afraid? That's easy for you to say, Elijah. You're not the one who has one last meal to cook for yourself and your son. You're not the one who's watched your carefully hoarded supply of, of flour and oil get smaller and smaller as the rivers run dry all around you. This seems like the perfect time to be afraid, doesn't it? When you're gathering sticks to make your last meal. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Elijah says. Don't be afraid. You know, this is so often God's word to us. Don't be afraid. I, I've read that the Bible says don't be afraid 365 times. I've never actually gone through and counted myself. Somebody apparently has gone through and counted. There's one for every day of the year. 365 times. Because we, we kind of need to hear that every day, don't we? Don't be afraid. And here's something else interesting to notice. When God first tells Elijah, when he's back there at that dried up river, to go to Zarephath, he says, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So Elijah goes on this long and somewhat dangerous journey, knowing that God has gone out ahead of him. So he can go without anxiety to Zarephath and find this widow, it makes me think, what if every day I trusted that God was going out ahead of me, that God was preparing the way to supply my needs, not all my wants, but all my needs. What if I entered every day, and in particular every financial decision, with the words of Romans 8, just like, solidly in my mind and my heart. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That might make a real difference. Paul, the apostle, gives us some great insight into his heart and how he learned to do this in Philippians 4, 11. He says this, I am not 
saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, there is so much anxiety around money. I think that's why Jesus talks about it a lot, because he knows it's a hard subject for us, isn't it? A lot of us don't even like to talk about it, and we find ourselves in church on the Sundays when money is the subject, and we're like, oh man, not again. (laughs) Wasn't I gonna go on vacation that week? Money is an anxiety-producing subject, but I think that's why Jesus wants to help us. That's why God gives us so much about it. Throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, there's so much anxiety around money. There's so many questions and what-ifs that we can drive ourselves crazy with, right? What will happen to the stock market? It's gone way up, and then it's gone way down. Is it sort of going up again? What's going to happen? How much will health insurance cost next year? How much bigger can my deductible possibly get? How much is college going to cost? Will Social Security even be there once I reach retirement age? We can go on and on and on. Knowing God goes out ahead of us in his love and in his power can give us courage instead of anxiety. Here's another interesting thing that happens in this story. God says, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. He says that to Elijah. But the widow doesn't seem to have quite gotten that message yet. Elijah has the reassurance, but not her. She refuses at first to feed Elijah, and she's, you know, basing that on her well-founded knowledge of how little food she has left. So Elijah becomes the messenger of God and speaks God's word to her. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God will provide. There is enough. There is more than enough. This word of God frees the widow from her fear and makes it possible for her to be generous, to step out in faith, to trust this God of Israel and this messenger that God has sent to her. What's the opposite of fear? It's courage. This woman takes a risk on God. You know, often generosity, it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage. She has every reason not to share. It's easy for us to think of reasons not to be generous And the statistics bear out the reality that as a church in the United States, we think we have a lot of good reasons not to share. We're all aware of that that goal that the scripture sets for us of 10% tithing, right? Giving back 10% of everything we earn just as a spiritual discipline, a way of, of, of giving our hearts to God, of letting go of our money, Statistics say that uh, Protestants in the United States give about 3% of their income on average. It takes courage to be generous, doesn't it? I got a question for you. 
When was the last time you took a risk on God with something precious to you? Something as precious as money. Our money tends to be really important to us, right? When was the last time you took a risk on God? Did something that really required some courage? Elijah says to the widow, go home and do as you have said, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me and then bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. But first, he says, that's the hard part, isn't it? But first, (laughs) go do what you need to do, he says, but first, make me that little loaf of bread. Elijah's eyes and the widow's too can only see scarcity, but with the eyes of faith, Elijah can also see abundance. He can see what fearless generosity can do. Even though Elijah's words seem crazy, and they do seem crazy, don't they? He's actually inviting the widow to see a new reality that God's promises are creating, but which she can't say first, which she can't see yet. But first, he says to her, but first. It takes courage to live that way, doesn't it? That way that says, but first, give to God. Jesus urges us to that same fearless generosity when he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you as well. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Your father knows you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. Fearless generosity means leaning into God's character and seeking first his goodness. It's believing that God does care, despite our circumstances. But first, that means not giving God what's left over, but sitting down and giving God the first fruits, as the scripture puts it, the first harvest, the, taking it off the top, not off the bottom. There's a story of a, a father who, who gives his little daughter $2 and sends her out the door and says, you can do whatever you want with $1, one of these, but the other one is for the offering plate in church. And so, excitedly, she makes her way right to the candy store, and uh, on the way, she trips and falls, and one dollar falls down the storm drain. And she looks up and goes, sorry, God, about your dollar. (laughs) It's easy for us to give last to God with what's left over once all the important stuff is taken care of. But Elijah says, but first, man, that takes courage. How will all those numbers and needs add up if we give to God first? That, that's fearless generosity. Not giving God what we think we can spare, but giving first. Fearless generosity. We're talking today 
about fearless generosity and how that kind of sets our sails as a church. You hear us talk a lot about sail here and you see it all over the place. That is kind of our, our vision, our discipleship pathway that we feel like God has really laid out for us to follow. The S in sail stands for, say it with me, seek Jesus, right? A is activate your faith. I is invest in God's mission. And L is love completely. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our goal is love. We talk about sailing and we sort of envision our church in that vision as a sailboat. And someone once said, it's not the set of the sail. It's the set of the sails, not the direction of the wind that determines the direction that we go. God's spirit is the wind in our sails here at BPUMC. And we just want to be sure our sails are set to catch that wind of God's spirit. We're focusing last week and this week on stewardship. Stewardship is is how we use all the good things that God has given us, whether it's just that last little bit of oil and water in our jar or abundance, how we use all those things. God's spirit is the wind in our sails. So my question for us today is, are our sails set to catch the wind of God's spirit? How are we doing on this as a church in terms of stewardship? Well, we're taking the time to get our sails set to catch the wind. One of the ways we do that is through good and regular and clear communication with you. If you look at the back of your bulletin, you see that we have a financial statement on there every week just so that we all can be on the same page and we can all know where we're at. And you can see we're running a little bit behind at the, as we come into the close of the year, our operating fund is about 10700 behind what we anticipated we would need in our budget. Our building fund is about 15300 behind. That's about 26000 behind, which is a pretty small percentage of our overall budget. But every year we want to end well, right? We want to finish strong because these aren't just numbers on the page. This is lives, ministry, opportunities to do a lot of good in the world. If you're on our mailing list, you got a commitment card in the mail. I brought one up here with me. Here it is. Uh, And there are some in your pews. Today's the day we invite you to bring these forward. And just to, to answer that question, God, what... What are you leading me to give in the next year? This is really a conversation between you and God, not you and me or you and our business manager. It's not a legal document. We're not going to follow up and say, hey, you promised. If things change, things change. We understand that. But we also understand that planning is part of giving to God first. If we give God the first fruits, That takes a little thought, a little preparation, a little planning so that we're not just scrambling for what's left over. That's when giving gets uncomfortable. It is exciting and joyful to give to God first and to be generous. 
We're going to take a few minutes in just a moment and have some time to pray. If you haven't filled out a card, you can take that time to do that. And to really have that conversation with God. And then to bring our commitments forward during our last song. Elijah says to the widow at the end of this story, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And the widow went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. That widow believed God's word. She believed God's heart. Through Elijah, God told her that she could trust his prompting to be fearlessly generous. And it was true. What about you? Let's pray together. Lord, you, you stretch us, you challenge us, you do things in our lives that we don't always understand, but God, we know we can trust you. Would you speak to each one of us now? As we look at using this precious resource you've given us, our money, we want to give even that to you, Lord. And we want to really honor you in the way we do that. So, Lord, would you speak to each of us now and help us to just have that honest conversation with you Help us to be willing to risk on you, to be courageous, and to see what you will do with what we can give. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.